0: Good morning, church. As I mentioned before, uh, we're going to be starting a new series this morning, and it's simply called Where Do I Fit? We got a, a little puzzle piece there. We got a picture trying to figure out where do we fit. Now, each of us was born into a family, correct? And each of us was raised in a family. And how many of us have ever had the feeling that you're the black sheep in your family? Can I see your hand? Yeah. We got a lot of black sheep. That's awesome. If we get, if we get all the black sheep together, then we, we're just all one family. But the, the imagery is like, you've got a family of sheep. When you think of sheep, you normally think of what color sheep? And then you get a black sheep in there, colored sheep, and it stands out. It's different. And do we feel that? Do you feel that in your family sometimes? You feel like maybe I don't quite fit. Like, yeah, we got a lot of things going on. We got a lot of things that are similar. Like I've got my dad's nose and she's got her mom's ears or whatever it is. We got some similarities. But deep down, I feel like there's something different about me. There's something that doesn't quite gel with the family that I'm in. And I know that they love me and I love them like most days. But I just feel like I don't quite fit. Where do I fit? And there's a tension within us that we feel, even from a young age. I remember feeling like that even as as a middle schooler. Like, maybe I don't quite fit. I'm not quite like how the other people in my family are. And that is persistent. And it goes throughout, I think, adulthood, at least as far as into adulthood as I've gotten. Where do I fit? I know that I belong here, but I'm not quite there. Is there a place for me to belong? That's a question that we're going to be answering Um, over the next couple of weeks. We've got five weeks that we're going to be looking at this. And so I'd like to pray together before we turn to God's Word and and seek to come to some kind of an understanding of where is it that I fit. Would you pray with me? God, you are good. There's no question about it. Lord, uh, minus an hour of sleep, things not firing on all cylinders, guitars falling down. Lord, you are good. And you are king of it all. And Lord, I pray that these things that are going on would not be distractions from you. Lord, would you captivate our attention? We've already identified this feeling of tension that we have that we're born into this world with. Lord, would you meet us in that tension? And would you show us the beauty of what it is that you are creating in the world? We look to you for your wisdom. And we ask that you would speak clearly today. It's in your name that we pray, amen. So as we seek to answer this question of where do I fit, I wanna turn to the book of 1 Corinthians and I wanna turn to chapter 12. So if you've got a Bible, then go ahead and open your Bible up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you wanna use one of the story Bibles, they should be uh, in the seats in front of you. It's on page 794. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we're going to look at the first 11 verses. We're going to look to God's word for his answers to these questions. I see that you guys are there pretty much. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and I'm going to read to you the first 3 verses here. It says this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Let's pause there. If you've been with us for the last um, uh, couple of months, you know that we've kind of been working our way through this letter. And this was a letter written by Paul, who started a church in the city of Corinth. And he spent some years there with them, and he traveled away. And then he heard some rumors about what was going on in the church that he was concerned about. And, so, and then he, they, he got a letter from them saying, you know what, Paul, we know you started the church. We know you brought us to Jesus. We know you taught us God's word. But we think that we've got more wisdom than you, and we're more spiritual, and we've got this figured out. And so he's writing this letter back to them saying, look, I've heard some rumors about what's going on. It ain't good. Cut it out. And now let me answer the things that you wrote to me about. So, we've got here in chapter 12, he says, now concerning spiritual gifts. It seems like in the letter that they wrote to Paul, they had a question about spiritual gifts. I don't know what the question was. I wish, I feel like if we had knew what the question was, we'd have a little bit more clarity about what he says here. Because it seems out of the blue. It seems a little bit out of left field, doesn't it? Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to know about this stuff. I want you to understand what God has to say about these things. You already know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. What, <laughs> what is going on here? We don't think about this, we don't really see it very often. There are other countries in the world where we will actually see this actually take place. Where people will carve an idol or have an idol carved for them, and then they'll set up this statue, and then they will say that this statue is a deity. It's a god. And I don't know if you've ever met a rock, but rocks don't talk. And so you've, you've made a rock into the sh- whatever shape it is, and now you're saying, well, this is a God, and, and, and gods communicate. So you've got a rock sitting on a shelf somewhere, and it's supposed to tell you how to live your life. Or it's supposed to provide for you and give you wealth or prosperity. Like, I've seen a lot of rocks. Some rocks are really cool. Never had a rock do anything for me. Never had a rock, like, whisper a secret to me. And so he's saying, look, you guys used to worship idols. You guys used to make these things and call them gods. So how is it that these gods would communicate? The gods would communicate by whoever the priest is in, in, the, in the temple. So this guy... Deceived as he was, would walk up and like put his ear to the rock and be like, okay, this is what the God wants you to do. There was a communication that was happening. There was a person who was communicating with the rock and saying, this is what the God wants you to do. And so Paul is saying, look, I want you to understand that you were deceived to listen to rocks by men who were making stuff up as they went. I want you to understand that's the lifestyle that you came out of. I know that. And so as you're asking me about spiritual gifts, I want you to understand that there's a foundational principle. There's something that you have to evaluate all kinds of conversations about spirituality with. I don't know if you have these people in your life. I have a couple of them. They'll say, I'm not a Christian. Um, I'm not really anything, but I'm a spiritual person. Do you you run into these, these people? They're like, I, you know, there's Buddha said some cool stuff, and Jesus, like, man, that guy was nuts. He said some cool stuff, too. And they're like, Muhammad, like, I don't know what it all is. I don't know what's true, but I'm spiritual. Like, I feel like there's something, right? And so I'm kind of tapped into that. And he's saying, look, when you come to these interactions, when you come to somebody who's telling you what God is, there's, some, there's a question you need to ask. What is the message that's being portrayed? The first question to ask He says, I want you to understand, in verse 3, that no one speaking in the Spirit of God, in the true Spirit of Yahweh, the God of the Bible, says that Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Spirit. When we come to spiritual matters, each of us, individually, have to ask the question, what's the message that's being portrayed? Is it something that brings dishonor to Jesus and brings doubt to him and makes us question whether or not he is or was or did anything that he said he did. Because you're going to have a really hard time saying Jesus was a good teacher when he taught, like, I am the son of God and you should give up your whole life and die in service to me. Like That's not a good moral teaching if he's not the son of God. So when people talk about spiritual things, what is the the message that they're saying? Are they bringing doubt and question upon the things that Jesus taught or are they giving honor to Jesus as Lord? Now, I need you to participate this morning. I want you to say this after me. Jesus is Lord. Now, see, biblically, you guys have just spoken in the Spirit of God, right? It says no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Like, you guys just did it. You're not as excited about that as, as I thought you would be. <laughs> is he saying that the people who formulate this, these words, this turn of phrase, is it the people that chew on these things? Are the people who say the right thing, are they the people who are speaking in the Spirit of God? I can say Jesus is Lord. I can say Jesus is accursed. I've said it a couple of times. Am I speaking falsehood? Do the the words that come out of my mouth actually have power in the world to shape things? I'm not sure. But I think what he's pointing at here is that no one can say Jesus is Lord. No one can teach that Jesus is Lord. No one can say you should give up everything and follow Jesus unless the Spirit of God is leading them to do that because you know what? To follow Jesus is difficult. To love your neighbor as yourself might be the hardest thing you've ever tried to do to lay down your life and pick up your cross and follow after the footsteps of our Savior who allowed himself to be beat to death for our sin is not an easy task. And so no one can proclaim that Jesus is Lord without the Spirit of God. No one in their... (laughs) I don't know how to say this exactly. No one in their right mind would tell you to follow Jesus. It don't make sense. Logically, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't follow. Unless the Spirit of God has come into the world, unless the Son of God has come down into the world and has died a physical death and raised again a physical resurrection and promises new life, gives us new life, and promises a renewal of all of creation, unless those things are true, it doesn't make any sense to say that Jesus is Lord. We don't have lords very much uh, today. Uh, Anybody have or have had a boss? Yeah, we've got a boss. Um, Anybody had more than one boss? Yeah, like bosses kind of come and go. Uh, Anybody had a president? (laughs) Anybody had more than one president? Like, we don't have anything in our conception of, of what a lord is. We don't have anything in our lives as Americans who have, you know, individual rights and believe what we believe. Like, we don't have a Lord that we can look at and go like, oh yeah, of course, Jesus is like that. We think of Lord and we're like, well, Jesus is Lord, and so I go and and give him an hour or two on Sunday morning. And maybe I'll try to read my Bible first thing a couple of times today, a couple of times this week. Like, that's what Lordship is. But lordship, a lord is a person who has complete and total absolute authority over everything, every corner of your life and exercises that authority. And when they say jump, you do it. You don't ask how high, you just jump. However high you think it was supposed to be, there is no questioning your lord. And no one can say that you should follow Jesus as your lord unless God is leading them to do it. So at the outset, we need to understand that spiritual things need to be evaluated on whom they're leading us to follow. If they're leading us to Jesus as Lord, then we should probably give them some credence. If they're leading us away from Jesus as Lord, allowing us to serve our own self-interests, allowing us to make our neighbor to love us as themselves, then we should probably pause and have a few questions. And I think the best question for us to reflect on this morning is what message does your life declare about Jesus? When somebody looks at your life, when they look at your habits, when they look at the way that you speak to your neighbor, what message do they see there? Is Jesus Lord? or are you the center of the universe? And I say this from a really vulnerable spot this morning. Because I woke up this I don't know, if I, you know I woke up this morning and I thought to myself like God you are worthy. I know objectively you are worthy. I know that you are king of all creation and I know that objectively is true. But I just want to go back to bed. I don't feel like you should be lord today. Like just let me sleep. Jesus. I want to call the shots. And then, and I'll just, I'll I'll let you in behind the curtain. And then I'm like, okay, well, I got to preach this morning, right? And if I got to preach this morning, then I can't just get up and say things. I can't just talk and people think that I do a good job. Like, I actually have to talk to God about that before I go and do it. And so if I want to accomplish my job, like my vocation, then I have to go and talk to Jesus, And the thought occurred to me that even the time that I want to spend with Jesus, even the time that I want to, like, reflect and sit and, like, dwell in his word, is actually selfish. I have to do that so that I have something to share with you. And Jesus says, it's not about what you have to share. Like, I just want you. I want you to know that I'm Lord. And I share that with you, not... I just want you to know that it's not just you. (laughs) that the pastors and the people that you that you listen to or the people that you hear like they have to deal with it too. So when I ask you what message does your life declare, I want you to know that I've got the mirror right in front of my nose. And the picture ain't always pretty. And by God's grace I'm praying that he'd change the message of what I'm living. Let's continue reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I'm going to pause there. So... Um, our lives ought to be centered and focused around Jesus. But he, he makes this statement here that there's, there's different things that go on. Um, we like uniformity. We like symmetry. There's something really, really satisfying. I don't know if you've had this experience. It might just be the gardener in me. But there's times like there, there are those driveways. You know those driveways? You turn down the driveway and you've just got a line of perfectly manicured tree and you can see all the way down and it's symmetrical and they've been pruned perfectly and you're like, oh, that's so satisfying. I feel like there's order in the world. <laughs> there's something that harmonizes in my spirit. We like uniformity. If we've got a whole line of perfectly manicured trees and one of them is two foot taller than the other, that would drive us nuts. And so the Spirit of God speaks here and says, I want you to understand that there is one God and that that one God works in a variety of different ways. We cannot look at God and say, you must, like, I know that you are God. And so you must work in this way. And the only way that you can communicate is by a three hour Bible study going verse by verse and articulating all of the Greek and all the Hebrew. And I got to understand. And we can come up with a formula of how God speaks. And Paul here says, now I want you to understand there are a variety of gifts. God doesn't give each of us the same thing to deal with, am I right? Some of you have lots of family issues that you have to sort through. Some of you have a terrible work experience. Some of you grew up in abusive families. Some of you, like That's the bad side of things, and then there's the good side of things. Like God doesn't give us all the same life to deal with. There are various kinds of lives, and there are various kinds of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service. There are lots of ways that we come to serve God. This morning looks very, very different from a Catholic Mass. But I would say that if the Catholic Mass points people to Jesus and trust Him and declare Him as Lord, the differences of service don't matter. It's the Lord that we worship. And each kind is a gift. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. I just want to point out to you here that Paul, what he's saying here is so secondhand, he doesn't make a big deal about it. This is so ingrained in his thinking that he just says it, and it doesn't stand out for him. And it probably didn't stand out for you as as you thought about it. But he says, it's the same Spirit, it's the same Lord, and it's the same God. Like, he's talking about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together to accomplish the same thing. He says, I want you to understand that God, as he exists in reality, is one God. There is only one God, and yet he has three persons. This thing that I'm trying to explain to you, it actually reflects the nature of God himself. And why? To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Not uniformity, but in unity, there is diversity. In unity, there is diversity, as long as each is declaring that Jesus is Lord. And what happens? There are varieties of gifts that are given, there are varieties of service that people are led to do, and there are varieties of activities, but all of them come from God. So here's what I want you to understand, that when we come to Jesus, when we declare him as Lord, when we accept him as our Savior, however we choose to word that decision, wherever we come to that place in our heart, God brings us into his family. He makes us a part of his children. And he gives us super gifts, supernatural gifts. So we all are naturally different. This is the same illustration that I gave to Kid Nation. We're all naturally different. But the Spirit of God comes in and says, you know what? Y'all ain't different enough. I'm going to give you something very special to do, John. I'm going to give you a very special expression of your faith, Michelle. I'm going to give you a particular calling. Y'all are, I'm going to give you a particular gift, Janet. You were all different. You were naturally different. And there were differences like... When we think about all the differences that exist in the world, all the things that we have conflict over, all the things that you hear on the news that people fight about, like we're like, I don't need any more difference. And yet God gives us a supernatural diversity. Why? For the benefit of all of us. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So hear me, black sheep, because there are many of you here this morning When you come into the family of God, he makes you more different, not less different. But that doesn't mean you don't belong. Hear me well. When Jesus forgives your sins and brings you into your family, you are home. He's brought you into a spiritual family. Whether your family kicked you out or your parents abandoned you or there was abuse in your background, I don't know what your story is, but I know that when you come into the family of God, you have a home. That he unites us together in his spirit, the same spirit under the one Lord and fills us with his power, divine power. And that actually makes us more different. We belong to a super family, and we belong. We have different powers, but we belong to the same God. And it's for the common good. See, the big idea this morning is that God gives us supernatural diversity for everybody's good. I like to think that when God gives me something, like, God gave that to me for me. I think it's a mentality that we're all born with. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen any children who, like, get a gift for their birthday and immediately want to give it away or immediately want to share it. Like, there's something that's wired in us. I think it might be called sin nature. I'm not going to get too technical with that. I'm just saying But when God gives us special gifts, he gives it to us for everybody's good. Yes, it's for your good, but you are not the only one God is working in. God gives us supernatural diversity and gifts for the common good to build up other people. So as we think about that and we think about our place in the family that we've been adopted into, I gotta ask, who do you want to build up? Because sometimes we got to make a decision. Like, God, am I going to spend time with you because I need you and I'm going to spend time with you so I can feel close to you and I'm going to spend time with you because I have this super need and I don't know how you're going to get me through this? Or is it, God, I need to spend time with you so that I have something to give away. I need to draw close to you so that when people look at me, they see you. Who do you want to build up? Because God gives us supernatural diversity, supernatural gifts for the good of all of us. So let's see what those are. Let's read together. Verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. For to one is given, through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of, the, of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. And to another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. We read John 3 this morning. And Nicodemus is wrestling with Jesus, like, what do you mean I gotta be born again? That doesn't make any sense. And Jesus, what does Jesus say? He says, you don't get it. You see the wind, the wind goes wherever it wants. God's the same way, God does what he wants. And so at the end of this, he says, all these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. If you don't like the gifts that you got from Jesus, take it up with him. He does what he wants. If you don't like the way another person has been gifted to speak into your life, take it up with Jesus. There's one in the same spirit. God, I don't like how they called me out on my sin. I don't like how they're like in my business all the time. And they care about me and they love me and they just won't leave me alone. Like sometimes I just want to get away from these people. I get it. There's times where we're hurting, where we just want to turn inward and reflect everybody. And God designed the body so we don't let each other do that. And if you got a problem with that, the Spirit does what He wants. Take it up with Him. So I want to highlight this because if you're, depending on your background, you may or may not be uncomfortable with some of the things that He says here. And I think he gives these gifts in three groups, and I could explain to you why. Um, and if you really want to know, then we can talk about it later. But I think there's three gifts the f- or three groups of gifts. The first group is uh, in verse eight: for one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. So um, we have those people in our lives who just supernaturally have the right thing to say in a situation. They, have, they speak wisdom into things that are going on. They're usually the last person to speak, I've noticed. They let you go on and on and on, and they let all your friends talk about it, blah, 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 and you're so stressed out and you're worked out, and then they just, like, speak a word. And it's wise. Oh, why did not you say that first? <laughs> why do you keep your mouth shut so long? Probably because you wouldn't have heard it at that point, but nevertheless. Or somebody who has a supernatural understanding of things, they have a supernatural knowledge about a situation. I've only seen this a couple of times, where somebody whom I don't know comes up and knows something about me that they should have no reason to know. And when that happens, and that points me to Jesus, I know that that's the Spirit of God at work through his body. We like we think that when God moves, it's always like Mount Sinai and it shows up in a fire and there's smoke and everybody's like, ah I want you to understand the Spirit of God moves through normal people's hands. Look at your hands. Say with me, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That's how God works. Your hands working in other people's lives, pointing them back to Jesus is Lord. Here's the next group of gifts. In verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, and to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits. I'm going to pause there. I think that's the next block. These are supernatural gifts. We all, we all come to Jesus through faith. Like, we're not, I don't think what he's talking about here is like the faith that gets you saved. I think this is the kind of faith that says, well, hey, we're going to buy that land and we're going to build a property there and we're going to, um, make something that points people to Jesus. And you go, we don't have any money. Like, we're actually super in debt and there's no way that that could work. And they say, yeah, but, but God wants us to do it and we're going to step out by faith. There's some leaders who are gifted with faith who can look and go, yeah, the numbers don't add up at all. That don't matter. This is where God's leading us to go. That's a gift from the Spirit. It's a supernatural gift in the Spirit. There's some people who will do that, and that's just because they're stupid and reckless. And there are some people who do that, and it points you back to Jesus, and you go, oh, you have the gift of faith. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy. If, you're Baptist, if you grew up Baptist like me, this starts to get uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, I just want to tell you, the Spirit does what he wants, and he wanted this in the Word. And he wants you to understand that when the Spirit of God works through the people of God, sometimes people get healed. And sometimes there are miracles that occur. And I don't really want to put it in a box to say what that is, but I do want you to ask one question. When you see those kinds of things, when you see people working in miracles, does it draw attention to the person who is doing the miracle or the person who is doing the healing or does it draw your attention to Jesus and make you want to declare that Jesus is Lord? That's the defining characteristic. There are things that happen that defy reasonable understanding that normal, average Joe does through the Spirit of God. And it has real-world implications. Now, with prophecy, I think prophecy is, 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 I mean, for these people, they were familiar with the Old Testament to some degree, and so who are the prophets? The prophets are the people who explain what's happening in the real world, like what's happening, you know, in your newspaper, from God's perspective. So these are the people who say, this is what's happening, and this is what I think God thinks about it based upon what I know about God. And there are prophets, oftentimes they want to speak the truth of God's word, and oftentimes people don't want to hear it. Like, they killed prophets for saying the right thing. And oftentimes they built up and, and, and like, edified prophets who were saying the wrong thing. Just because they've got a huge following doesn't mean that God's spirit is working in them, but it's whether or not they are declaring the truth of what God's perspective on the world is. It's the gift of prophecy. It's empowered by the Spirit. And the question you've got to ask is what? Who does it point me to? Who does it point me to trust? And the ability to distinguish between spirits. Um, I do know one person who, like, has this. (laughs) that I, I'll be looking at three or four different options, and I'll be saying, I don't know what, what God, where God is leading. I don't know what, blah, 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 blah. And they'll say, this is the issue in your heart. You know where God is going. Follow. The, 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 the ability to discern between spirits. I don't know if you feel like you just need a person like that in your life. Where you're like, look, I got, I got six different things that I'm trying to sort out, and I don't know what, how to make sense of anything. Do you know that God puts people in the church who can just say, yeah, that's the one. Focus on that. And what do you think that the question they're going to be asking is? Who's Lord of your life? And then this is the next group, and I'm going to go over them briefly because over the next couple of weeks, this is one that we're going to circle back to and talk about. <clears throat> uh, do another work in miracles, do another prophecy, do another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, and another, the interpretations of tongues. So at, at, the, at a base level, all I'm going to say at this point, because we're going to circle back to it, is that these are people who speak in a language they don't understand. They don't know it. They don't understand it. There are people who are empowered by the Spirit of God to say something in a language they don't know. Whether that's an earthly language that we're familiar with or whether that's a heavenly language that the angels speak or whether it's not actually language at all, I don't know. We're going to talk about more about that as we go forward. But then he also says that there are people who can hear that unintelligible speech, language they don't understand, language that may or may not be of this earth, and can tell you what it is that the Spirit of God is communicating through that. The gift of interpretations of tongues. Now, I used to joke, um, for those of you who knew Pastor Todd, I used to joke that sometimes he had a way of speaking in tongues in the sense that he would say something and he'd be declarative and he'd say, this is what, and he'd say it very specifically because he had put a lot of thought and prayer into it and he'd say this statement and you'd go, I know he believes that, I feel like it's true, I don't really know what he said. And I used to joke that I had the gift of interpretations of tongues because I could turn around and say, well, this is what he meant (laughs) by what it is that he was saying. And to some degree, I would say that communication is probably one of the hardest things that we deal with as humans. Do you want to know how I know that? What's the one thing that you fight about most in your marriage? Why didn't you tell me? You could have just said something. I did say it. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I said it right here. Well, that's what you said, but that's not what you meant. Well, you should know what I mean. We've been married. Communication needs the Spirit of God to happen. So I'm saying that this is an important movement of the Spirit. (laughs) Somebody's about to move the Spirit across your face if you're laughing like that. (laughs) you're supposed to be unique do you get that like these are all different kinds of things and they're supernatural and they're weird it's supposed to be weird you should be like this is this is spiritual stuff yeah i don't know if you know this god is a spirit and he does spiritual things and hey he does what he wants But when the Spirit of God comes on you and gives you gifts, like, he wants you to be more different than you already are. That doesn't mean you don't belong. You belong. You belong to him. But we're unified in declaring the truth of who God is, because God gives us supernatural diversity for everybody's um, good, everybody's benefit. We're all in it together. And the picture that we're making isn't my face, it isn't Grace Church. It's the heart of God. So here's a hard question, and I hope that you wrestle with it a little bit because this is part of the question that we're going to answer over the series. Where do I fit? What are your supernatural gifts? This isn't, this isn't just like your personality profile disc test thing. Whatever, whatever it is, Myers-Briggs, there's a thousand of them. What's the Enneagram? That's a new one. I'm not talking about that. That's, that's the way that you were born. That's your life experiences, things like that. Like, I, I get, I get the personality thing. I'm saying that this is something that's supernatural. This is something that's bonus. This is a God who walks into a room of diverse people, diverse races, diverse culture, diverse background, diverse social, economic, slave, free, Jew, Gentile. He doesn't care. He walks into a group of people that are completely different and says, y'all ain't different enough. Let me give you something else. No, a gift, not dead. (laughs) A gift. Dead to self, alive to Christ. More different. Why? For the benefit of everybody. Not for you, not so you can feel special. You are special. It's not so that you can feel that way. Because God gives us supernatural diversity for everybody's good. So, what message does your life declare? I'll remind you, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. What message does your life declare? Who do you want to build with the gifts that you've received from God? I often want to feel good about myself. And on the days where I want, to, where I feel better about the good that God is doing in other people's lives, the days that I know I'm closer to actually how he wants me to be. Who do you want to build with your gifts? And what are your supernatural gifts? Not just your personality, but the things that God has done in your heart since you've come to him. again for listening we hope you've been challenged encouraged and helped by god in his word if you want more information about grace church of ocala or would like to get in contact with us please visit our home on the internet ocalagrace.org and if we haven't met yet we hope to talk with you soon